Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to jump all over the place, but we'll start off in Deuteronomy. Thank you, chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 today. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, as we continue our series uh, on the nuts and bolts, those things that um, kind of find their way uh, into the bucket in our garage that we don't want to get rid of. Uh, yet we're not for sure uh, what we're going to use them for later on. And today we're talking about fasting. And, and fasting is something that, that we're going to dig into pretty strong today. But it's also something we don't talk about a whole lot. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of it's just kind of do with who we are. Uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been wise, I mean by wise I mean cheap enough to go to one of these timeshare presentations like I have? Um, Christy and I got to go to a timeshare presentation uh, a while ago, and we sat down, and they're doing their hard sales pitch. And you would think telling them that you're a pastor means that you really just came for the discounted rate on ski lift tickets, but it doesn't matter. And so you tell them that, and they see, you know, sucker written across your face, I guess. And the next thing you hear is, most of the people that purchase from us are pastors. I'm like, oh, man, I, I meant I was an atheist. Um, you know, I didn't know what to say. So we go through the spiel and they get to the point where she asked the question that, you know, everyone asks in this setting. And that is, what do you do to relax or what would you like to do to relax? You know, and, and they want you to say, oh, I go sit by the lake or I love to get away to the mountains or, you know, I love to go to Disney World or something along those lines. And, and for me, I responded, I said to relax, um, I like to sit on the back porch and eat tamales. And, and she, she just stopped. And, and she, she said, I've been doing this for however many years, and no one has ever said that is what helps them relax. I said, well, they're not good pastors then. You know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I said, but I know if it involves me not having to be around 10 million people at one time um, and eating some good food like I'm a happy camper. Uh, and, and it started to hit me, if you were to think back over your vacations, I can tell you where I've gone, right? Whether it was to Galveston, to, to Dallas, San Antonio, or Disney World, or whatever it is. I can tell you where I've gone, but if you were to ask me what I did on those vacations, do you know what I would start to articulate to you? All the different places that we've eaten. I mean, do you do that? Do you plan your vacation around food every now and then? I mean, no kidding, we took our kids to Disney World in 2009, um, and that was our first trip there. I cannot really tell you what we did, but I can tell you the blackened catfish at the end of the sea restaurant at Epcot is awesome. You know, I, it's funny what we remember and, and mine, and maybe I'm just a little odd, is it really has to tie with food because food, we, we don't just, you know, eat in order to live, do we, in our society? We really live in order to eat. And if you're a Baptist, you worship sometimes to eat. Who knows? It comes in. And, and so as we kind of get into this, fasting is, is something we know about, but it's not something we practice partially because if God made all this good food, why would he want us to not eat it comes to mind. And so as we look at fasting, what I want you to know is most of us know that fasting is in Scripture and it's up in our bucket back there. But we have to understand that it is an important part of our Christian life. 
That fasting is not meant to be a proposed possibility that we may or may not do sometime in our life. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 verse 16 says, hey, listen, when you fast, here's what I want you to do. He doesn't leave it up for if you fast or if you ever stumble upon fasting or, listen, if you're driving on the road and you left your wallet at home and you happen to proclaim a fast because you don't have any money, you know, whatever it is. He says, listen, when you fast... In other words, fasting should be a part of our spiritual life. Now, now, how much a part of our spiritual life? We'll talk about what does that look like? What's the flow? Those are all the things that we can jump into today. That's what we're going to dig into. Because God's not calling you, like I read from a lady, an article back in 2008, who fasted on the sun. Her goal is to fast on the sun alone for a year, and, and it cost her her life. God, God's not calling us to self-mutilation. That's not why we fast. We fast for a purpose. But before we get to that purpose, we kind of want to start off with Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. This is a passage that Jesus quoted when he was fasting in Matthew chapter 4. And he quoted it when he was being tempted. The Bible says this, The whole commandment that I command you today, you will be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go and possess the land the Lord swore to give to your fathers. You shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is right in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let hunger let you hunger. He fed you with manna. You did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you that, excuse me, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, what Moses tells the people is this, is, is God has led you out, and, and he wants you to remember the promises that he has for you, but to keep your eyes focused on his promise and not to be distracted by today, he has taken away food from you. You fasted from everything but manna and water for a long time, and on bonus days you got quail. But, but there weren't fruits and berries growing in the desert, all these things. God brought his people on this fast, so to speak, for 40 years so that they could recall, so that they would focus on what is coming before them instead of being distracted by where they were. And he did this for a couple of reasons. He says, listen, I'm doing this so that you will know what's in your heart. In other words, I'm testing you to know what's in your heart. God knows what's in your heart. But when you and I are consumed by life, we forget what's really in our heart. It's those times when we say to ourselves, why did I do that? Have you ever been there? Maybe you've walked into a room. You're so busy, you walk into a room and you see your spouse and you say, I don't know why I'm in here. And you just walk out. Right? We just have this flurry of life happening. And God says, hey, listen, you need to know what's in your heart. And you need to remember that you don't live by bread alone. In other words, you weren't built just to eat and then come to heaven. You were built for more. And church, this morning, we've got to look into the importance of that. So that we understand why fasting is an important part of our spiritual life. And why it doesn't belong in the bucket in the garage with all the other disciplines that we just don't want to let go of. But the first question we've got to ask is, how did fasting end up in our faith bucket? How did it, how did it even get there? 
to begin with. I think that's where we've got to start. If we want to know how to get it out, we've got to know how to get it in. First of all, I think fasting ended up in our faith bucket because it's undeniably available through Scripture, right? It's undeniably in Scripture. You and I can't get around it. Over 70 times, fasting intentionally is mentioned in Scripture. And so we know it's part of our faith. The first time we read about fasting is actually in Exodus chapter 34. Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God, and and he didn't eat while he was up there. Seventy times. God, we know it's in the Bible, so we know it's a part of our faith. But the problem is, is we kind of labeled it as a measure of last resort, and so it goes in the bucket. You know what I mean? I mean, let's be honest. The times we go back into our bucket of screws and nuts and bolts is when we have lost or are missing a piece of something. And we say, you know what? Hold on. Let me go look in my bucket of last resorts. You know, it's rusty. It's in there. But, but I'll pull it out if I need to. I'm sure it's in there. Somewhere along the way, we have seen fasting as a measure of last resort. It's kind of like the EpiPen of our faith. You know what I mean? Like we're going into shock. Life is being threatened. Pull it out. Pop it. Fasting is, Lord, the world is about to end. This crisis has occurred, and I have tried to figure it out in every other way possible. And finally, I've got nothing left in the tank let me go to the fast. We, we've, we've made it this thing that we can only do if we are like a monk in Tibet or if we are at a last resort. And is it a measure of last resort? Should it be used? Sure, we can use it when our times or our life is at a crisis. But God didn't design it that way. And if you and I see it that way, it's going to remain in your faith bucket. And you and I are going to find that our spiritual growth is actually stunted because we're not practicing what God called us to practice. And so the question starts to become then, what does a fast mean? What does it mean to fast? Literally, in the Greek, it just means the one who is empty. It's not some deep, crazy issue. When you don't eat, your, your stomach is empty. Have you ever felt that way? You know, you, you were working so hard, and then you find yourself at lunch. You look up. The person comes with killings next to you in your cubicle, and you smell it, and all of a sudden, you realize you are the one who is empty. You see, fasting is given to us so that you and I can make room to pay attention to God, for the Holy Spirit to be obviously present in us. Jesus tells us in Scripture that, listen, the man who cleans up his house and the demon runs away and he cleans up while he's there, when the demon comes back, doesn't say, oh, man, the house is clean. I can't come in anymore. No, the demon leaves and he finds buddies and he brings it in and the man's worse off than he was before. You see, what Bible says is, the Bible says is, we empty ourselves through the fast so that we can commune with God intentionally, purposefully, fully. Jesus would say, deny yourself and follow me. We, we fast to empty ourselves, to make room, to focus on our relationship with God for a specific period of time. In Matthew chapter 6, it's, this is pretty amazing. If you read the whole chapter, starting at 16 and going to, to verse 1, you would see that Jesus, in red letters, talks about fasting the same way that he talks about prayer. He talks about fasting in the same way that he talks about giving to the poor. 
See, Matthew chapter 6, but what the Bible says is you should just know that giving to the poor, that helping those in need is part of your DNA as a Christ follower. You can't be a stingy Christian, right? The, the, the Bible shows us we don't build up storehouses to save for when we die so that it will be given away without the blessing in the hand of God. In other words, in our faith, giving to the poor should be part of who we are. We should be looking and seeking for brothers and sisters in Christ, the widows, the orphans. How can we help? How can we love? How can we bless? That's part of who we are. In the same way, prayer. You, you should not be able to walk through a day without talking to your Lord and Savior. Prayer is a part of who we are. It's a part of our DNA. And what Jesus says is, giving to the poor, we know we're supposed to do. Prayer, we know we're supposed to do. He says in the same way, fasting should be a part of who we are. In the same way, fasting should just be a part of who we are. We should, every now and then, be emptying ourselves, And we should be focusing on the Lord in a unique way. So, so what do we fast from? If, if we are agreeable that we know that fasting made it in the bucket because it's filled with faith, but it's also a last resort. If we know that and we know what it means, that it means we're going to be empty, then what does that mean? The Bible kind of lays out three or four different things. The first of all, you need to know it undeniably can involve food, right? It just undeniably can involve food. Uh, and there are three types of fasts kind of laid out in Scripture. The first is found in Acts chapter 9, verse 9, and it's called an absolute fast. When Saul was becoming Paul, right, he met Jesus on the road. He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. And he went into town and he waited, and he was seeking the Lord desperately. He has an absolute fast. That means for three days he didn't do food or water. And that's an absolute fast. I want to let you know today that that's a type of fasting. And the part of that is, I will tell you that, that I, as pastor, have not done an absolute fast for multiple days. There's nothing makes you more spiritual by what type of fast you do or don't do. And you need to know that on the front end. But I do want you to know that an absolute fast, no food, no water, is, is a way of fasting. And in that those, those cravings, Paul wasn't just saying, I'm going to starve myself until God has pity on me. He says, no, 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 I want absolute fast so I can seek you, God. Every time my stomach rumbles, every time my mouth goes dry, God, I want to be reminded I'm seeking your face. I'm communing with you. I'm coming after you. I'm, I'm emptying myself of all of this for you. The second type of fast is, is a normal fast. In Luke chapter 4, we find this out when Jesus goes into the desert. Verse 2 tells us he fasts. A normal fast is when you don't eat for, for a day. And, and traditionally, one day, uh, a day fast was going to be, you know, sundown to sundown or from sun up to sundown in a day. But a normal fast is just you and I not eating something for, for that day. Just, just saying, Lord, for this day, I'm, I'm not, not going not gonna, to, you know, die over this thing. I'm going to be hungry but I want to fast. I want to empty myself for you. Now, here's the amazing thing. This time has to be filled with Christ because have you ever gotten so busy that you forgot to eat? Because that's not fasting. That's distraction, right? Because when you say, God, I'm going to fast, and some of you have done this with me. God, I'm going to fast from lunch today, and that's totally cool. A great friend of mine, every Monday, he just, that's his fast. 
Do you know what's going to happen at 11 o'clock on the day you tell yourself and the Lord you're going to fast? You're going to be hungry like you've never been hungry before. You know, you're going to feel like something's about to pop out of your stomach. You're so hungry. But a normal fast is just saying, God, for whatever period, I'm just not going to eat anything so that every time I crave something, I will remember I want to crave you most of all. Then there's a partial fast. Daniel practiced this in in Daniel chapter 10, uh, verse 3. He says, I didn't eat any tasty food, nor meat, nor wine with my mouth, nor did I use ointment at all until the entire of three weeks was over. See, what Daniel says, what the Lord shows us is there's also a partial fast. You know, maybe, maybe it's just saying like, Daniel, God, I'm not going to eat anything that has a lot of flavor for a while. And every time I miss that flavor because I'm eating the blandness of something, I want my heart to come to you. Do you see what, what, what the Bible says is man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word of the mouth of God. What the Bible shows us is this, is that when we fast, we don't fast just because. We don't fast just to, point our, to punch our ticket. We fast to commune with God intentionally. And those cravings, what we're giving up, it's not sinful things we're giving up. It's things God finds pleasure in offering to us. When we crave those things, we point to him. You might say, is there any other fast in Scripture that is not talked about in, in coming to food? Can I do a different kind of fast? You know what, believe it or not, there is. Um, and you can fast from TV and things like that we've done before. But, but I want to let you know, the Bible says in Corinthians that, that there is a under agreement that we can fast from certain privileges. Okay? And the one in Scripture that I would point you to is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4 and 5. If you've never read that as a married couple, it's the best post-church Bible study you'll ever do with your spouse. So you go run to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you read those five verses, and you can come back and thank me later, okay? But it's talking about how a man and woman should delight in the gift of each other's physical bodies in intimacy. And, and what the Bible says here is, you should not withhold yourself, husband from wife, wife from husband, you, you should not Think of yourself as I'm me and you're you. You should think of yourself as a gift to each other unless for an amount of time you both agree to withhold from one another that gift of intimacy to seek the Lord together. To seek the Lord together. This is a fast. When, when you and I say to our spouse, God has given you to me and me to you as a gift of joy and delight. If you withhold that gift for any other reason but to seek God, then you're kind of missing the point. But under agreement, there are fasts that don't involve food. There are fasts that say, listen, we're going to seek God in a unique way. And every time I put my head on the bell and I look at the beautiful gift that God has given me, I'm going to remember, hey, just for the next couple of days, man, that longing for my spouse, Lord, would you replace it with a reminder of my need for you? You see, we, we can find ourselves under agreement, right? Dad, you don't, you don't walk home and say, we're fasting from TV from Monday through Friday because you know no college football games come on during that time. It doesn't hurt you a bit. And your whole family's going, what? Make sure when you fast that your agreement happens with those you're connected with so that you don't let your fast be a reason for stumbling for others. 
So we know we fast from food. We know we fast under agreement for certain privileges. So why is it so meaning? Because it's a time when you and I pour out and are filled back up. Listen to this passage from Ezra. This is what the Bible says in Ezra. It says, Then I proclaimed a fast at the river Ava, that we might humble ourselves before God, to seek him a safe journey for us, our little ones and our possessions. For I was ashamed to request from the kings, the troops, the horsemen to protect us. From the enemy on the way, because we said to the king, the hand of our God is favorably disposed to all who seek him, but his power and his anger are against those who forsake him. So we fasted and sought the Lord our God concerning this matter, and he listened to our entreaty. You see, what Ezra says, here's the deal. What we know about God, we believe wholeheartedly. In fact, we were bold enough to tell it to the king that our God will provide for his people, for those who follow him. And, and so after he says that out loud, he humbles himself and he says, God, let my life match the faith that I speak about. And so that these two things will come together, they fasted. They poured out to say, Lord, let my life reflect what my faith is meant to be. Lord, let my life resemble the image who you've made me to be. And so he said, humility comes. We fasted, we surrendered, we put ourselves below God and we said, God, this is what we're in need of. Church, surrender is fasting. Surrendering to God, saying, God, out of all the things that bring me delight in life, I want you to remember and I want you to help me to know that they fall under your sovereignty. That they are beneath our relationship. They do not supersede it. They don't go above it. So God, let me pour that out to you. Let me lay it down so that you can fill me up. So, so in that, what does a fast look like for you? Um, I was looking in Matthew chapter 16 about this. And the first thing that Bible shows us is it's supposed to be personal. Matthew chapter 6, excuse me, verse 16 says this. When you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that you have received, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, and that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, what Jesus says is it's supposed to be personal. There, there are times when we may be called to fast as a church, but your participation is not public. It's between you and the Lord. If God calls the fast, then we'll speak it out loud. But if God calls you personally outside of a public, the same rules apply. We don't go around talking about, you know, sorry, I can't eat with you today. I'm fasting for Jesus. You know, oh, I would love to have the steak, but I'll take water instead because I'm more spiritual than you. I mean, you go ahead and eat. Oh, nor do we go around just looking like, oh, I'm starving. I got 47 minutes left until my fast is over. And your wife says, you've only been on it for 13 minutes. <laughs> we, we, we don't go into this fast Liking it, this public engagement. It's supposed to be private. When you fast, you should look beautiful. 
I didn't realize this as a kid. We went on a mission trip one time, and, and it wasn't fasting, so to speak, but we showed up into this area, and where we were from, we all bought new clothes to go work and build houses. You know, that's how it was. We went and bought them, and so we got these new clothes, and we get there, and instant conviction comes over us. So, so to make us look like we fit in, we put all our clothes in the parking lot and let the bus run over them four or five times, right? Why? Right? To, to try and let everybody know what we're doing, fit in a little bit better. Fasting is not about fitting in. It's not about other people thinking you're holy and spiritual. It's not a PR game. It's meant to be personal. And what the Lord says is when you do it, you should look more beautiful than you look any other day of the week. When you do it, your face should shine. You should smell great. When you do it, you keep it to yourself. Why? Because if you talk about it out loud, then you're really doing it for the approval of men and you've missed the point. But when you fast, fast for God. Keep it quiet. And when you keep it quiet, what you do for the Lord in quiet, the Bible says, the promise, red letters, and the Father who sees you in secret will reward you. In other words, God is listening. When it's between you and God, when it's a blessing unto him, the Bible shows us we don't serve an angry God who wants self-mutilation, but we serve a loving God who wants you to be glorified by obedience to him. So it's got to be personal. The second thing it's got to be, it's got to be prayerful, right? It's got to be prayerful, right? We, we don't fast and say, okay, I'm fasting today. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to look good. If I can just keep my day busy enough, I'll forget it, right? Like we talked about earlier. If I can just schedule enough stuff, or if I'm going out of town, maybe I can schedule it so that I'm, I'm supposed to be on the road when it's lunchtime and I can make it through— the goal is not to just fill your time when you fast. When you're practicing a spiritual discipline, we should be spiritual, right? And so when those hungers come upon you, when that thirst is there, when that longing to participate in, in your relationship with a, your spouse or, or you want to go watch the TV and you said, I'm fasting from it or whatever it is, you should fill that time with prayer. Let it be between you and God. Prayer doesn't mean that you have to sit on the ground and just, okay, God, what next? You could be praying and, and asking for God's blessing as you spend time with your children. You could be intentionally lifting up the Lord as you serve your spouse. You could be intentionally seeking the favor of God as you worship in church, as you, as you go to work, as you, what you listen to on the radio. I mean, it, it's not meditating in one spot, which is fine for times, but it's filling it with prayer. You see, Ezra says, listen, we were all getting ready we were all getting ready for a major journey. And you know how it is. They're packing up. They're preparing. But this time of preparation was a time of prayer and humility also. So fasting should be, one, personal. Two, it should be prayerful. And three, this is the most countercultural to anything you've probably ever thought or heard about fasting. But it should be positive. It should be a positive blessing. It should be something that's focused on the, the greatness of, of God and his favor. I mean, Jesus says, listen, when you go, look beautiful. Be positive. Be excited about what God is doing. 
If we look back to the, the passage of, of David in 2 Samuel, he knows God has said, your unborn son is going to die. And he says, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm fasting. And when his son passes away, he cleans himself up and he says, I'm good. And everyone said, why were you fasting? You know, when, when your son was alive and, and now you're not mourning. And David says, because I was looking ahead to hope. Because I thought in my fast, as I spent time with the Lord, that if he saw fit, he might spare my son, that he might be gracious in a new way. You see, David, when he was praying over his son, who was given a death sentence because of his father's sin, I can't imagine a more desperate place as a dad. He says, I was fasting to the Lord because I was looking for the hope of Christ or God who's coming. Because I was believing in the faithfulness of God. Church, when you and I fast from food or from something, it's not to be focused on our misery. It's to get our eyes off of all the distractions of today. And to put our hope squarely where it belongs. The joy that's set before us through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's to remind us that we are not bound and held down by this world we live in. That the burdens of the world, from health to finances to relational to life, that those things aren't meant to define us. But we are to look with expectancy for beyond today. And fasting reminds us that we don't live by bread, by what we've got now. But we live for the word of God. I read this quote this week. It was strong to me. It says, fasting is stretching our hearts to get fresh air beyond the pain and trouble around us. Fasting is for stretching our hearts to get beyond the pain and trouble that surround us. And what a great way to think about this discipline that we put around us. Have you ever had a bad day? Have you ever had a bad week? Have you ever had a bad year? We don't talk about the year 2010 in our life very much. It's a bad year. If I thought that that's all that was ever awaiting before me, I would be miserable. But what Scripture shows us instead is, no, fast. Remember, there's life for you beyond the now. Church, what a powerful thing when we find ourselves saying to God, God, I want to take time to remember that you and I have a personal relationship and it's going to be filled with you and me talking just like we talk with our children and our wife. And God, in this time, I want to be positive. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 6 says this, Is not the fast which I chose meant to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free, and to break every chain. Church, fasting is not meant to burden, to bind, or to destroy you. In fact, God says it's the opposite. This discipline should be a part of your life because you and I need to remember that God has already set us free, that God has already chosen to break loose from us these burdens, these bindings, this worry that surrounds us, that God has chosen in his grandness to say, listen, I give you these gifts. Food is not bad to eat. He tells Paul or Peter, everything that I've made. And go ahead and, and chow down. 
He, he tells us, listen, men, women, I've given you life together as husband and wife as a pleasure. I'm not making it bad all of a sudden. But there are things before you that you need to offer and just empty yourself from for a moment, for a day, or for a season. Not for the heck of it. Not to just show how scripturally spiritual you and I are. But so that you and I can get focused beyond today. And remember that we live for a life set into eternity. And that life is full, and it's hope-filled, and it's encouragement, and it's blessing, and it's fruitful, and it's strong. And so today, you may be saying, Lord, that life seems further away than ever before. And maybe today the Lord's saying, maybe I've been calling you to fast so that you will remember it's not far away at all. Because when Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist is baptizing everyone. The cross hasn't happened. No confessions have occurred. And the dead were still on the ground. Jesus says, you listen, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You are not living for a day far away. But you are living by the power of the living God today and forevermore through his life.